guys welcome back so on this episode i do want to talk about something a little controversial y'all have been getting really mad at me for talking about eastern orthodoxy and catholicism and i think it's interesting because i just am tired of like you know quote tweeting and stuff like i really wanted to talk about this on the podcast because um eastern orthodoxy and catholicism are like a major problem and i think it's very fascinating that a lot of conservative people like freedom loving people, people who, you know, they act like they understand that God is a God of freedom and they seem like they understand the Bible in some areas, but then, you know, they're defending Catholicism. They're joining Catholicism. They are liking Eastern Orthodoxy. They are joining the Eastern Orthodox Church. Um, The ether is what I just accidentally said. It was a Freudian slip, but yeah, you're throwing your soul into the ether if you are joining Catholicism or Eastern Orthodoxy. Why? Why do I have to talk about this controversial thing? Aren't we all just Christians? Don't we all believe the same thing? No, no, we actually don't. Because um, Eastern Orthodox people and Catholics are pagans. They are pagans. And I am so tired of them both, both of them trying to act like both, both of them are like, no, you know, we're Christians. We're really the, the very first Christians ever. And actually, we are the ones that everything has derived from. And actually, our church started with Jesus Christ. And they lie. They just lie, 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 lie. They gaslight people just perpetually. They brainwash people into thinking that, you know, so-and-so fancy in the hat of fanciness, so-and-so said that this is the way that it is. And so this is the way that it is. They also, if you really do a deep dive into both Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, I mean, they don't really regard the Bible as divinely inspired. They don't really regard it as something that should be taken very seriously. They reject uh, Sola Scriptura. They they reject reject all of the things that the Bible says when it comes down to it. And I'm tired of just acting like we're all the same and we're all Christians, right? We can all just get along. No, 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 no. If you guys have learned anything from listening to my podcast so far, then you should know that it's not it's not a big tent over here. I mean, the Bible says it is a narrow path. I'm not going to be putting up a big tent to just make everybody feel like, you know, you're a Christian and I accept you for you. Like, I don't. I don't accept you if you don't accept God. And I am not opposed to spreading the gospel. Of course, that is why I do this podcast in the first place. A big reason why I do this podcast, the main reason is really to spread the gospel. We talk about news. We talk about politics. We talk about current events all the time as well. And that's important too. But at the end of the day, All of the problems that are happening in our world right now do stem from a spiritual rot that we're not addressing because it's it's a touchy subject and we want to throw up a big tent and we want to let everybody come in. Um, You can't do that. The Bible is very clear. It is a narrow path. If you aren't on it, I'm going to have to tell people that you're not on it because what you're doing, Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxers is what I call them, um, is you're misleading people. You're misleading people. So for power and control... 
and money, and I'm I'm just sick. I'm just sick of seeing that. I have seen enough of that in Washington D.C. I don't want to see it in the church, and and it's just shocking that people aren't picking up on this. I mean, y'all have been doing this since your inception. Y'all have been brainwashing and gaslighting people for money and control. That's what y'all do. So let's not lie about the situation. Let's not pretend like y'all are you know Christians. I mean, I'm tired of having to act that way. I, I don't view y'all as Christians because you're not Christians. You look at things in a very weird pagan way, and it's really not your fault. I, I do blame Constantine more than anyone, I, I would say, for that. But it's important to have the historical context when it comes to things like this so that people can understand when and how they are being manipulated into a religion that is not Christianity. So that is what we're going to be talking about on this episode, how uh, Catholicism and, in particular, Eastern Orthodoxy are, are unbiblical. They are not Christianity at the end of the day because they add in a bunch of stuff that is not supposed to be. They make up a bunch of stuff that the Bible does not say. And then they won't defend themselves when you ask them to about their faith. They can't defend the things that they are telling you are true and right. Um, That means that you have a false religion, my guys. That means that you're not who you say you are. It means you have no idea who you are. And also Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxers, they they mince their words so much that, and I think that that's intentional for the the brainwashing operation that they both do on all, on all of the people that they are trying to um, recruit for their cults. They are cults. This is not Christianity. So I'm not going to be the person that says, oh, I don't think any Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxers are saved. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I am not God. I am just saying that this is wrong. There are things that are problematic, very problematic. There are lies. And I'm, I'm just, I'm saying that we're going to call them out on this episode. And I'm, I'm, and if anybody wants to get mad, then you have the right to get mad. Just understand and and keep an open mind that this is true, what I'm going to be saying, and you're not going to be able to gaslight me. I mean, it's just, it's a physical impossibility to gaslight me. So I, I would just say that. And if you want to come talk about it on the podcast, I've, I've invited so many Catholic scholars, Eastern Orthodox scholars, like the, but they won't come on. And if you want to, though, I'm open to a debate, but we're not going to do this weird roundabout pseudo-intellectual lying thing where you just say, well, yeah, Jesus started our church, and so here we are. We're the oldest one. Everybody says that. You need to get your arguments in line, and you need to make uh, logical sense, or it's just going to be um, a debate that you lose in a really embarrassing fashion. And so just think about that before you agree to come on. Um, I'm not going to be entertaining people that are lying. I'm not going to be entertaining people who are doing weird pseudo-intellectual historical arguments that are factually incorrect. I'm not going to be doing any of that. I'm sure that works on a lot of people that y'all try to manipulate won't work here. Um, But anyway, that is what we're going to be talking about on this episode. So let us dive in. Before we get into everything, I do need to remind you guys about Noble Gold. You guys know that the economy is trash, and I guess especially if you are, you know, a Catholic or an Eastern Orthodox, sir, and you have some indulgences to buy or something, you want to be saving your money up, and you want to be investing in gold and silver and other precious metals. Very, very important to get yourself lined up to buy those indulgences, you guys. So you can create a stable financial future and protect your retirement by investing in a 
self-directed gold IRA. Noble Gold Investments gives you the opportunity to buy IRA-approved physical gold bars and gold coins and a gold-backed IRA. They make opening a gold IRA account a painless process. Their experts are standing by to help with everything, including account creation, funding your account, assisting with an IRA rollover, and even educating you on how to buy gold in an IRA. So if you guys want to check that out, I will have a link below. But yeah, again, I mean, it's just very important. The economy is trash. You know, if you are into this Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy stuff, you got some indulgences to get yourself, you know. So anyway, yeah, definitely check that out. I'll have a link below. Let me know what you guys think if you decide to invest in that. All right. So in we go, in we go into this discussion about why Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy are both, um, I don't want to say they're trash. Here's the thing. I think throughout human history, humans have tried. They've tried to get things right. And that includes Christianity. I think that, you know, I don't want to say that every single Catholic and every single Eastern Orthodox or ever was just like malicious and trying to turn Christianity into this pagan thing. Um, like this Christianity pagan, like mashup thing. I don't want to accuse every single Catholic and Eastern Orthodox or of having uh, nefarious intentions about, about spreading the word. What I will say is that throughout human history, a lot of things have been directed by evil men who have come off as um, smart, you know, well-meaning people who understood the Bible, but who really didn't, or they did, and they wanted to use religion to twist things in order to use people for what? For power, for money, for control. This is the way that the world has always been. Um, so I don't think it is a surprise to anybody the history of the Catholic Church. I think a lot of people know the history of the Catholic Church and how they have, you you know, they always say, okay, our church started with Peter because Jesus told Peter that on this rock, I will build my church. And I just don't understand why the Catholics seem to think that they have this claim on Jesus, on Peter, on any of it, because the Catholic Church itself didn't even come into existence until very long after Jesus. So it's not like, oh, wow, yes, they started, Jesus said, it's going to be this church, it's going to be a Catholic church, and it's going to be my Catholic church. I also find it fascinating that they call it, you know, the Roman Catholic Church. It was it was the Romans and the Jews that killed Jesus. So it's kind of like, why would you even want that name in your name? Why would you want to call yourselves Roman? Catholic Church, Romans killed Jesus with the Jews, but they killed Jesus. And so I, I have so many qualms with people of every denomination, frankly, that try to act like Jesus is their, their denomination's mascot rather than uh, all of the denominations, not all of them, because again, we're talking about how Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy are, you know, unbiblical, how they're not really very Christian. They have a lot of pagan aspects to them. Um, but I hate how a lot of denominations try to claim Jesus as their mascot when really what it should be is, hey, we admit that maybe none of us really have it exactly right. As a Reformed Christian, I can say maybe I don't have it exactly right, but I, I can admit that and I'm trying to find the answers all the time and I am, I'm always acutely aware of we're doing this for Jesus. We are doing this for God. We are not doing this to slap a big gold star on our de denomination and say, well, we were 
right. Um, I do think that Reformed Christianity is the most biblical that I can find. I do think that it is correct. A lot of people call me a Calvinist. Um, I I don't, I think they say that as an insult and I'm just like, okay, whatever. But like Reformed theology is correct theology. I mean, it is correct Christian theology because it lines up with the Bible. Um, Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy do not. And so I do I do think that it would be very fascinating for me to debate a Catholic and an Eastern Orthodox are on this podcast. I'm open to that, again, as long as everybody is, you know, open-minded and not acting like uh, lying pseudo-intellectuals, then we can, we can do that. We can set that up. But I have tried to do that before and people keep running away. Um, but I do find it fascinating that Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxers try to claim that Jesus is their mascot and that they are like the oldest ever church ever and they've been doing it right and they're keeping the traditions and they're just correct on everything when there are a lot of problems biblically with what they're doing because it's unbiblical. So um, let's just hone in on Eastern Orthodox for a second. Um, they, they venerate saints, which they try to make it seem like that's not worshiping them. That's not praying to them. That's not, you know, looking at them as anything other than people, but it actually is. It actually is worshiping them. It actually is kind of deifying them. It is, um, it is not okay. Because why? Because the Ten Commandments tell us that that's not okay. Because God says you will not have no other gods. You will not be doing this. You will, God is God. And then there are humans and there are angels and there are demons and there are other uh, things, you know, but you don't worship those things. You do not worship people. You do not do this veneration thing. Um, and actually, I want to pull up the definition so that everybody can hear the synonyms. I, w- I want to pull up the synonyms because, hey, Eastern Orthodoxers and Catholics, y'all need to hear this because you say it's not praying. You say it's not worshiping, but listen to this. So, so easy. You guys can even do this. You go Google it. You go Google the definition of venery, and this is what it says are similar words. We have revere. We have reverence. We have respect. We have worship. We have adulate. We have hallow. We have deify. We have idolize, um, exalt honor. Um, we have adore praise extol. We have all of these words, um, that is sacred. We have all of these words proving that venerate does mean that they are worshiping quote unquote saints. And that brings me to another issue. I find it very troubling that people think that they get to decide who God's saints are. For the Catholics and the Eastern Orthodoxers, they say, and they have all these icons in their churches, uh, mind you, that they have all these saints, you know, saints, quote unquote, all around their churches. And they say, this is a saint and this is a saint. Saint so-and-so did this and saint so-and-so did this. Um how how do why do people get to decide who God's saints are? That would be my first question. My second question would be because the church has always been very politicized and it just has every church they've just been politicized the Catholic Church, um, especially just like how much it has had to do with governments in its history is another reason that I just can't stand it. Um, but it's been very politicized over the eons. It's literally they've used the um, confessionals as blackmail, you know, on people. It's been very intertwined with the government is my point. Um, but it's just very interesting that they think that they get to decide who the saints are. And then 
are there deals being made for that somehow? Like, are they just like, hey, if you do this, look, we have like a lot of money because we brainwashed a lot of people. And but if you do this, we'll give you this amount of money. And guess what? We'll call you a saint. You'll never die. You'll never die. You look like people will venerate you and they'll pray to you and it will be so awesome. And you, you know, again, probably won't hear that because, of course, you know, you they can't really pray to you. This is our brainwashing operation. But hey, just do this and we will make you a saint. So I wonder sometimes in the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodoxy, like how much, how many of the saints were like kind of, I don't know, bribed like into being saints and like, here, you do this and I will make you a saint. I don't know. That's just, you know, my brain knowing that the, you know, the Catholics and the Eastern Orthodoxers have always, have always just kind of done some shady stuff like that. I mean, if, if you look into the indulgences and how the Catholic Church has historically tried to sell indulgences to people like, oh, yeah, well, sinning's bad. But if you pay us a certain amount, that's, you know, a little high, but it's worth it because you get to sin um, without guilt and without any sort of ramifications for that. You're good. You're good. Just here. Thank you. Like you just pay me, uh, your church leadership, and then you get to sin and you don't have to feel bad and you don't have to lose your salvation or anything. Um, losing your salvation is also a crazy concept that both Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxers seem to believe in. It's you can lose your salvation. Process that in your mind for a second. How can one lose their salvation? You're either saved or you're not saved. You either believe in Jesus or you don't. And you can't lose your salvation. God doesn't operate that way. He's not going to dangle your salvation over your head, give it to you, take it away, give it to you, take it away. Um, based on, you know, how good of a little church follower you're being to the leadership of the Catholic leadership or the Eastern Orthodox's leadership, you're not going to be, it's just not how it works. You're either saved or you're not saved. And once saved, always saved. If you're unsaved, you can be saved. But if you're saved, you're always going to be saved. God is not going to do this pesky, annoying thing where he like gives you salvation. Take it away. You have to do this and you get it back. And but take away because you did this, and now I have to give it back. But nope, take it away. Um, that's just that's a weird. That's just such a weird concept. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about that. You, it's so simple. I think that a lot of these, you know, Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic Church tries to overcomplicate the gospel to the point where they try to make it seem like, oh, it's too complicated. It's just really complicated. If it's too complicated for the common man to understand, really, all need our help um, and understand. This and even, I mean, there's there are situations in which Eastern Orthodoxy you are not allowed in a lot of cases to even read Revelation, the book of Revelation, by yourself. Isn't that wild? Like, what kind of tyrannical garbage is that? Like, you can't read this, we don't trust you with reading Revelation. I mean, the Bible was made for all of us to read. I have been telling everybody, you really need to be getting physical Bibles in China right now, and y'all can look this up. They are trying to change the like Bible and the very, very important parts of the Bible. The whole, All of the Bible is important. None of it should be changed. But they're trying to make Jesus seem more like an Islamic terrorist. He sounds more like an Islamic terrorist. They're changing Jesus's words in the Bible, and it's extremely, extremely dangerous because they're misrepresenting the Savior of our world. Um, and so, I'm, I've just been telling everybody, get physical Bibles, keep them, get all transla uh, translations. My favorite translation is ESV, and I also really like the TLV, Tree of Life version, um, but the ESV is definitely going to be clearer for everyone to understand. The TLV has Hebrew words in it. I do think they're important to know, but I don't think it's necessarily important, you know, as important as understanding what is being said. Um, 
so ESV, but I, I, I just think that historically the church, both of these churches have, have just used people, they've manipulated people, and to think that you can't read Revelation by yourself, why not? Why not? They don't trust you with that. Why not? Why do you need why do you need church leadership to walk you through something that God made for all of us? Why do you need why? You know, why? Um I don't like the way that they they set up this tier system of like, you know, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, that is not based on anything biblical. Um, at the ultimate division between Reformed Christianity, Catholicism, and Eastern Orthodoxy really seems to be that Reformed Christians, we see the Bible as inerrant. We see the Bible as divinely inspired. We see the Bible as the most important document on the face of the earth, and Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxy, they seem to look at it more as, uh, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice little document to have. And like, it could have been anything really. If you think about it, it could have been, they could have grabbed some papers from this church, some papers from this church, took it, you know, taken some things from this author and from this author, it could have been anything. No. Uh, predestination, Bible's very clear, is a thing. God predestined the Bible to be exactly the way that it is. Um, and the other problem I have with Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxy, they add books to the to their Bibles. They add books that, you know, why are those extra things in there? I mean, the Bible is the Bible. We don't need to have all of this extra stuff. Um, Eastern Orthodox seem to believe that anything can be divinely inspired. Who's to stop some crazy guy from writing like the book of Alfonso or something. And then Alfonso's, you know, directly contradicting everything that every other writer in the Bible said. No, 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 no. That's dangerous territory. I think that a lot of that stems from narcissism. People want to think, oh, well, I could write something that's divinely inspired. I think that God is speaking through me right now. And, I, and we should add it to the Bible. We should add it to the Bible. Um, the book of Jenny, please no. <laughs> like, please never add that. Um, it literally is a narcissistic thing and it is, it diminishes the importance of the Bible as it is. Um, it also diminishes the importance of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for people to act like you can lose your salvation. Um, the Catholics and the Eastern Orthodoxies are, are very, they're into the good works and good deeds and, and this, I do this and I do this and I do this and then I get my salvation back. No, Jesus took care of everything. You, if you are a true believer, you will not want to sin. You will not be tempted to do things that would cause you to lose your salvation. You will want to follow Christ. You will want to stay on the narrow path. You will understand inherently because you're saved that this is the correct way. It's a little bit harder sometimes. Yeah, but it is the correct way. And ultimately, this is for my ultimate good. Um, it just, you won't have this like inclination to like, and it won't be like a brownie point system of like, well, I did this, so I have to do this. And if I do this good deed, then I will get my salvation back. It's kind of a bummer. You know, I have to do this whole checklist and then I get my salvation back though. So it'll be worth it. Um, it's just, um, to me, it's like, it's manipulation again. They, I, again, I don't think, and this is why I always say, I don't have beef with Catholic church goers or Eastern Orthodoxy church goers as much as I have beef with the leadership of these particular denominations, because it is the leadership that is manipulating and brainwashing the people who are, you know, for the most part, I think, just trying to find a church home. They're trying to be right. They're told that this is right by the people that are manipulating them. And so they get into this weird a uh, groove of like believing these these cult leaders and I do view them as cult leaders you've just got to compare everything 
to the word of God. You can't, you, and I say it all the time, but literally it is comparing the word of man to the word of God. Does it align? If not, then side with God. That's going to be your safety zone. That is going to be really the only correct thing to do. So uh, there's a lot to say about this. Everybody needs to look into Constantine and how he affected the Catholic Church, how a lot of the pagan stuff is still a part of the Catholic Church because um, because they were trying really to to keep everybody just in line. It was really the government trying to keep everybody in line and not have everybody not get along. And at that point in time, people were really more comfortable with paganism. Christianity was, you know, not something that they were super comfortable with. So they kind of meshed everything together. Um, and that's really why, you know, if you look at the biblical descriptions of how angels are versus how the Catholic Church represents angels, very different. Um, we have purgatory, which is unbiblical. The Catholics push for that. They think that that is something. And I never like to say that they think this is something. They they say that they think this is something. Because, again, my beef is with the leadership. I don't know how much of what the leadership says they believe that they really believe. Um, but it is what they're pushing in order to control people. And so it is a problem. Um, you know, there's a huge child like sex trafficking problem, it seems, in the Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodox, but we can't talk about that, I suppose. Um, we we need to talk about a lot of these things. There's just a lot of stuff that we're evil stuff that we are told we can't talk about because it's taboo. We can't talk about it. It's happening, it's hurting people. Why can't we talk about it? I don't like seeing people bullied into their faith. I don't like seeing people uh, taken advantage of for money and power. I don't. I don't appreciate it. Eastern Orthodoxers have to like kiss pictures of icons when they walk into their churches. the uh, The iconography stuff is like insane to me. And they'll say, "Oh, well, you know, it it reminds me it reminds me of the Bible to have all of these pictures around. Why do you need pictures all around you to remember the Bible? Why do you need like pictures of all of these, you know, saints, quote unquote, again, like to remind you about what what God has done? Why do you need that to remind you to read the Bible? Why do you need any of that? Why why can't you just not worship people? Maybe is what I would say." Um, it's bizarre. It's bizarre and it's weird. And there's just a ton of weird stuff that Catholics and Eastern Orthodox do. But my primary problem is the manipulation. It is the brainwashing. It is telling people that they can't read certain parts of the Bible without without their leadership, their church leadership. You have to trust Catholic leadership. That's a phrase I've heard a million times. Um, and I mean, they have all, all just always done this for the longest time. The Bible was not even available to the average person. Um, I think that was very intentional. I think that that's why we have so many translations. A lot of people will say we need to only use the King James version. Look into how King James was a freaking pedophile. Um, I don't, I don't want any version of the Bible that was created by a king or a dictator because they're going to make certain parts seem more friendly to kings and dictators. Um, and, and that is what the King James version did. So a lot of people are like, this is the way, this is the only way this is the, and the King, and the King James version pushers are really no different from, you know, like, well, you have to be a Catholic. You have to be Eastern Orthodox because it has always been this way as a tradition and, and it's always, and, and Jesus started it. And this is the way like, 
we have to be allowed to question certain things. We have to be allowed to use the brains that God gave us. And God, God just wants everybody to know him. He wouldn't make a Bible. Again, this is a predestined thing. The Bible is an errant. Um, you can't look at it like another book, just another book. Like it is the most important thing that we have on our planet. It is what acquaints us with the character of God. It is an, an instruction manual um, as to how we should live our lives, as to how we should treat people. It's the moral um, supreme authority of our world. And no matter what, no matter what people want to believe, like what's more convenient for them in terms of how do they behave in the world and how do they treat people at a very basic level, we all know that the Bible is correct, that the Bible is the supreme authority on morality and how we should be. Um, that is why in, you know, so many places we are having people like, you know, swear on the Bible or they'll say Bible, like, are you, are you saying that? And it's like the truth, are you Bible, you know, question mark. We know at a very basic level that the Bible is correct. Is it hard to follow the Bible? Yeah. That's why a lot of people don't really want to. It's easier to believe in something else. Um, but for the longest time, like a lot of people just didn't have access to the Bible. The fact that we do now, and it is still so hard, you know, for people to like get people to want to read it. I'll constantly, you guys have heard me on this podcast, like, Hey, you guys should read your Bible. Hey, you guys should read your Bible. I say that all the time to a lot of people, but it seems it feels weird and unnatural for me to even, you know, ask, like have to ask people to read the Bible because it's, it seems like it'd be your honor to read the word of God to like a lot of places. You can't do that for a lot of our history. People weren't allowed to do that. People were either too uneducated to do it. Um, you know, it was literally deprived from them. The translations were wonky. Um, and I know that the King James versioners are going to come after me for going after the King James version, but we really should look into how he was a pedophile. And honestly, again, why would any Christian want to be like, yay, King Tyrant, yay, you know, Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, uh, dictatorship stuff. Like I, we serve a God of freedom from the very beginning of the Bible. God is freeing the Israelites from Egypt. We serve a God of freedom. We do not serve a God that is telling us that we have to listen to these men that are making up rules and regulations that he never ordains in the Bible. He doesn't say, oh, you have to read Revelation with church leadership. Don't read it by yourself. That's not in the Bible. So why are, why do people say that you can't read certain parts of the Bible without church leadership? Oh, well, I think it's because the church leadership wants to manipulate you or tell you that it says something that it doesn't say, or don't let your imagination run wild. Don't you, don't you understand exactly what the Bible's saying? That'd be dangerous. That'd be very dangerous. We wouldn't be able to control you and take as much as your money of your money. So, um, I have just an endless amount of stuff to say about this, but I do think it's very important for people to understand the historical, uh, yeah, it's important to understand history, but not because they're just saying, well, we were the first church ever and Jesus was our, our first Pope. Like that's not, that's not real history. Look into Constantine, look into the Roman Catholic church, the Romans, the Jews, like you just, and I can't cover all of this on a 30 minute podcast, but I'm just, I'm trying to tell you guys the things that you should look up and the things that you should study for yourself, have your own knowledge. 
Um, but understand that the Bible has always been something that you know, has been pretty much just withheld from a lot of people in one way or another. And now in this day and age, you have such easy access to it. It shouldn't be like pulling teeth to beg people to read the Bible and to understand, because at the end of the day, it's not me trying to be like, you have to follow my way of morality. That is why I want you to read the Bible. It's not even my way of morality. It's God's way of morality, and I accept it. Um, But really, my primary reason for wanting you guys to read the Bible is to know God, but also so that you're not able to be manipulated by this church leadership stuff, so that the Catholics can't come at you and say, we're the first church, and you have to listen to us, or the Eastern Orthodox people can't come to you and say, we're the first church, you have to listen to us. Um, and and throw all this stuff at you. Like intercession is necromancy, okay? We're we're not called to pray to dead people, all right? Um, and it doesn't matter if they were on this planet by men labeled by, you know, by leadership of the church labeled saints, okay? We don't know what was happening under the table deals that made them a saint. I'm not saying that God doesn't look at the saints as saints. I'm saying I don't know how God. God looks at the saints. I know that God's saints are people that follow Christ, and it is a much longer list than the the saint list that the Catholics and the Eastern Orthodoxers have. God's saints are anybody who follows Jesus. And so, you can't just say that, you know, these are the saints and it's just a very select group of people that we picked as the Catholic Church or the Eastern Orthodoxy. Um, so there's just a lot of kind of this kind of stuff of brainwashing that happens that's really unsettling. Another big thing that is unsettling about Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy is transubstantiation. If you've never heard that word, you should look it up. But it is um, basically they believe that during communion, the bread physically turns into Jesus's flesh and the wine physically turns into Jesus's blood. Uh, just for a second, just while you're taking communion, but it physically transforms into Jesus's body and blood. And like, that doesn't happen. Jesus spoke uh, symbolically a lot when he was on earth. He he talked a lot about symbolism and he was implying that this is representative of me dying for you. He was not saying, we're going to turn into cannibals for a hot sec and you're going to be literally eating me. So just, there's just so many things like this that, you know, and and what's the purpose of that really? Like, why are you telling your church that for a hot second, like the bread and wine are going to turn literally into Jesus's body and blood, and we're going to just kind of eat this up and be cannibals for a little bit. But right after we take communion, you know, it's it's bread and wine again, you know, like what what's the reason for that? Very paganistic, um, weird stuff, and nowhere in the Bible does it say that. So it's just a bo- a bunch of like things like this that they both do. And it's problematic because it confuses people who would otherwise, I think, you know, be steered correctly. Um Let's see, what else did I want to talk about? Intercession's a problem. Transubstantiation is a big problem. Uh, What is another one? There's a bunch of problems, but I would say that the Eastern Orthodoxy is almost worse than Catholicism because they confuse people. Like, at least the Catholics say what they believe. A lot of the Eastern Orthodoxy people that I know, they um, they don't know what they believe at all. So, they'll say that they don't believe in transubstantiation, but they do. They say that they don't believe in intercession, but like they do. So, they're like a more confused version of Catholicism in my view. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are these are some big differences that, you know, and these are big things in the Bible, you guys, like these are big things to not worship other 
gods. Don't deify people. Don't do the icon stuff. Um, intercession is necromancy. I mean, that is on the same level as new age beliefs and, you know, getting into astrology, tarot cards, demon activity, and like summoning spirits and stuff. It's the same thing. Um, and transubstantiation, why, why you got to be a cannibal for Jesus? No, stop it. That's weird. He spoke in he, he spoke symbolically. It was about it was about the meaning behind what communion represents. Um, it was a reminder to us about what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Um, and to set up this hierarchy system where, you know, you tell people you can lose your salvation, but you can also get it back if you do what we tell you to. Wink, wink, wink. Um, confession. I mean, we are called to like confess, you know, we are called to confess to God, to repent, to turn from sin, to, as Jesus said, go and sin no more. Um, and I think it is a good thing, actually, you know, to, to confess your sins to your close friends and family and to be honest in that. I don't think you need to go talk to a creepy stranger in a shoebox at the church in a dark shoebox and tell them your deepest, darkest secrets uh, to a, a church, quote unquote, that has historically been extremely politicized. And they've used confession as blackmail since their inception. I don't think I don't think that that's got what God had in mind. Um, I, I think that God looks at um, men in the church who use that nefariously, that power nefariously, or who use that to manipulate people and mistear them misguide them, I should say. Um, I think he looks at them as, you know, just with a much harsher judgment than anyone else. Because if you know better and you're not doing better and you're a leader, especially in a church, then God is just going to be judging you more harshly. And it says that in the Bible. So there are higher expectations for teachers. There are higher expectations for leaders. There are high, high, very high, the highest expectations for quote unquote, church leadership. And no, we're not just going to trust you guys. We're going to check you guys with the Bible. That is what we're supposed to do. And in any good church is going to want to be held accountable uh, to biblical standards. They're not going to want to just do this free fall thing where they're in charge of everything and that they're gaslighting you and manipulating you into doing unbiblical things. Uh, they're not going to downgrade the Bible. They're not going to try to diminish that. Um, and they're not going to diminish what Christ did on the cross by saying you can lose your salvation. That's not true. If you have your salvation, you will always have your salvation. You can't lose it. Um, and there's something very comforting in that. So yeah, the good deeds are a problem. You don't, there's no checklist of like how you get to earn your salvation. Um, God loves you. He wants you to love him and he definitely doesn't want you to fall prey to men who are trying to use you spiritually for financial gain. I have just so much more to say on this topic, and I'll do a more organized episode on all of this soon, but I really was getting frustrated, like seeing all of these people come at me when I was just pointing out the facts about Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy online. Like I'm, I'm just... I'm not doing this to just be a nuisance, you guys. Like, I really care about your souls. I care about your you knowing the truth. I care about you reading the Bible and checking me even at times. I really do appreciate it when you guys check me. I think sometimes I pop off and I'm like, how dare you? But like, I genuinely appreciate that because sometimes I will go to the verses that y'all tell me to look at and I'll be like, you know what? You were totally right. That was totally off base of me to do that. And I appreciate that because I'm also a flawed human being. I am thrust into this position 
position of leadership somehow. Um, and I know that God wants me here, but I also want to be checked. I want to be checked by you guys. I want you to pull out Bible verses if I ever do anything I shouldn't do. I love it when you guys do that. And the Catholic and Eastern Orthodoxy churches should also be happy when you're doing that, but they're not. Um, and that should really tell you something. So just... Uh, just challenge your own faith, like just take your beliefs and compare them with the Bible, challenge these Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxers faith and take what they're saying and compare it with what God says in the Bible. Like just take it all very seriously because I mean, church is not a hobby. Faith is not a hobby. It's not where you just pick a denomination. And then, you know, this one, I like the vibe. I like the vibe of this church. It's very fancy. Uh, the fanciness of your church doesn't matter. And if Jesus walked into, you know, a super ornate Catholic or Eastern Orthodoxy church, he'd probably just be like, LOL, what? You know, like, I mean, I don't want to put words in Jesus's mouth, but I feel like he'd kind of giggle and laugh and then just kind of walk out and shake his head like they totally missed the point here. Um, and I do think that a lot of the money that Eastern Orthodoxy people and Catholics put into their churches could be used better. Like, I really think that why not you know, help the needy more with that. I mean, that's what the Bible says for us to do. Um, it doesn't talk about, you know, you have to have the fanciest church or God's not going to be present. So um, I have a lot of opinions on this, but this is already like a 45 minute episode and I'm going to stop it here. We will do more episodes on this. Again, if you know or are uh, Catholic or Eastern Orthodox and you want to debate this and you have some things to say that you think I have gotten wrong, I'm open to debating it. I am, of course, right about all of this, but I am open to hearing your thoughts and opinions and debating. And I would love it to, uh, I would love to know, you know, if a Catholic or an Eastern Orthodox person can defend their faith, because I haven't really seen that yet. So that would be very interesting for me. I think it would be very interesting for you. And if you are interested in that, or you know someone, again, just email podcast at JennyRobinson.com and we will get something set up. But those are my thoughts right now. And again, if you guys like this podcast, please go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts where you can leave reviews. I would appreciate your five-star review. A lot of pagans get really mad and then go leave me like one-star reviews. And it's really annoying um, because it pulls me down in the algorithms and doesn't get my show seen by as many people. So if you can leave a five-star review. I really appreciate it. If you're a Catholic or Eastern Orthodox and you're just mad at this episode, please just don't, you know, just like don't leave a one-star review just because you don't agree with me. I think that would be bizarre. Um, but again, it's a free country. You can do what you want. I don't really care at the end of the day. I'm going to keep putting my opinions out here. I have been banned like 20 times now on social media, but we're just going to keep on trucking on because this is what we are called to do as Christians is just spread the gospel, spread the truth, not really be fearful full of the ramifications or consequences of that, because at the end of the day, it's not about uh, reviews. It's not about anything else other than getting the truth out. And is it going to be hard? Apparently so, but we're still going to do it. So thank you guys for listening and I will see you next time. Mm -hmm.